0: A playlist original.
1: Welcome to the Pilot Podcast.
0: Where we review the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this?
1: My name is BJ.
0: And my name is me too.
1: And this week, we're watching Frog and Toad on Apple TV+. Love and Death on HBO Max, Queen Charlotte, A Bridgerton Story on Netflix, and Silo on Apple TV+.
0: So stay tuned to the end to find out if BJ is more frog or toad.
1: Oh, you know, I already decided which one each of us are.
0: I know. Until then, I can tell you what happened on the real Frog and Toad on Apple TV+. Based on the beloved book series by Arnold Lobel, Frog voiced by Nat Faxon and Toad voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson are two sweet best friends who are not at all alike Frog likes new adventures and Toad likes the comfort of home. Despite their differences, they're always there for each other and get into a lot of fun along the way.
1: So from the jump, I want to say this is a very cute children's show. And what I maybe forgot about children's shows is that there isn't that much conflict at all.
0: No, I have no recollection, really, of Frog and Toad. But from what I read, this is legendary. I assume Lil Baby Me Too and Lil Baby BJ read these books. And I imagine there was not a lot of conflict in them either. And I didn't mind that. It was so sweet. It was so pleasant. I don't think this will be a surprise to anyone who has listened to this show even more than once that this was by far my favorite show of the week. And we watched some pretty great shows this week.
1: And it was fun. Like in this first episode, they have adventures trying to master willpower when it comes to not eating too many delicious cookies, as well as discussing receiving your first piece of mail. And these innocent topics really helped show the friendship between Frog and Toad.
0: I loved their friendship. Toad is BJ bringing cookies to my house. And then me being frustrated because I want to eat them all. But maybe you shouldn't have that many cookies in one sitting. Not for any reason, but for like an upset dummy. But they're so delicious. But their friendship otherwise was very, very sweet. No pun intended. Lovely desserts. The day that they had waiting on a letter where they played checkers to kill time. They were watching class. Laying on the grass. They were watching the sunset. They were just hanging out and chatting. Toad was even reading to Frog. I just thought that was so lovely to watch and I honestly don't think you have to be a child or someone who loved the Toad and Frog stories. I think you'll just find this one to be so lovely.
1: I agree. This is a children's show, but I feel like it's not geared specifically towards children like other shows are. Instead, it's a very wholesome and sweet show about two friends.
0: And it's funny. I found myself laughing with some of their hijinks, especially as they were trying to learn willpower to not eat the cookies. So all of the things that they did with the cookies to try to hide them from themselves so they wouldn't eat all of them in one sitting because it was a very giant tin of cookies. And what contributed to the humor was all of the side characters. We have Robin and Mole and Mink and Gopher and Snail and they all made me laugh too, especially the jokes related to the types of animals they are and what that might lend to the types of characters they are.
1: And I really enjoyed the robins for comedy because they were trying to give not-so-subtle hints that they wanted cookies. Frog and Toad, right over their heads. They were.
0: <laughs> that was so funny. Frog and Toad <laughs> kept being like, we have so many cookies and we don't know what to do with them. Should we just throw them away? And all them robins were like, so we like love cookies. If you, you know, just some people here love cookies some people here really love cookies. So what do we want to you know, do about that? And they were like, do we send the cookies in a basket down the river? And Robin was like, do
1: we put them in a hole? <laughs> like, we gotta get rid of these cookies.
0: And then Robin and Robins were just like, so we just, we're still here. Still birds who just love cookies. That was, I genuinely laughed out loud.
1: So me too. I think you've made it Pretty clear how you feel about the show, but how about you give your official rating for Frog and Toad on Apple TV+. Plus?
0: I kind of have two. Oh, okay. I would watch again seriously, because I think it is worth sitting down and enjoying. And I think this will be a great background show while I work because I'm still of the work from home lifestyle. So I think it's just a very pleasant thing to have on while I'm cranking away an email and things, but it is absolutely good enough to just sit and enjoy. And the very specific way I'd love to enjoy it is like Sunday afternoon, I have some tea, maybe I even have some cookies baked by BJ, and I enjoy a couple episodes of this show. How about you?
1: I think I would put this in the Woodwatch Again Casually. And not because it's not worth watching seriously, but similar to you, I think this is a good, you just want a calm, peaceful, fun moment of 30 minutes. And this is the show you would do when you're just casually relaxing.
0: That makes total
1: sense. So how about we switch from not casual to something (laughs) a little darker?
0: You're talking about love and death on HBO Max. Based on the true story of Texas housewife Candy Montgomery and the book covering that story, Elizabeth Olsen plays Candy, who was accused of murdering her best friend Betty Gore, played by Lily Robb, after striking up an affair with Betty's husband, Alan, played by Jesse Plemons.
1: So, me too, I have a few questions for you. Okay. Why are shows about real murder cases so popular?
0: I don't know, I guess it's all the lucky lose who can't help but rubberneck when they see a car crash. I don't know, but it's getting weird.
1: It is getting weird. And what's weirder is this is not the only show about Candy Montgomery. And you pointed out to me that the two shows about it are presenting a very different take. So should these real murder stories be more horror? Should they be more dramatic? Should they be more sympathetic?
0: Yeah, I can't tell what is more I guess the wrong word to use here, but I'll go forward with it, appropriate or respectful in portraying the real murder of a real person or the real killing, I should say, because the courts did not rule it a murder, is... Is it right to sort of live in the world like we're doing in this show, which I think is effective storytelling, but I don't know if it's right for the families of Candy Montgomery and Betty Gore, where we're getting to know the characters, understanding their motivations, understanding them as human beings versus... Candy on Hulu, which I didn't watch, but I understand is much more horror. They jump into the gore quicker and it's a much scarier show. And then also what's the appropriate amount of time to wait? So this is, you know, a random story from about 40 years ago. Is it, do we wait that long? Do we wait for like a real period piece a long time ago? Do we do it like lifetime where there's a headline one Saturday and the next Saturday a movie comes out? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But it's starting to feel strange. And it just made me question why.
1: I agree. It is weird. It's having me question a lot of choices for not only what Hollywood is producing, but what people like us are consuming. And this also feels weird to say, I wish these stories about killings were just made up. Or they do say, the writers do say, We were inspired by the real story about Candy Montgomery and decided to tell a fictional retelling and maybe heighten it more to make it a true horror movie or totally spin things around so it's not just history.
0: Yes, that's what makes it weird, too. I read for both shows that they tried to get in contact with the families to get to know the people better. And that's when it started to feel icky for me as I was reading about these shows and the cases. On the positive side if it is possible to pivot in that way what i will say about the storytelling is again that living in these characters was a really smart choice they built a cast of really great character actors especially with jesse Clemens as alan and it was a good choice i would say to understand this world really well yes
1: that I agree it's a weird pivot despite being weirded out behind the premise Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons have such great chemistry and the tension they build throughout this episode of them starting to feel feelings for each other drew me in. I liked that part of the story when I didn't think about them reenacting real people.
0: Yes, it was almost weird because you're starting to root for their attraction almost. You're laughing when they're laughing. It's a very silly thing, the way that they are debating whether or not to have an affair because they're in this very conservative and religious society. But then... You always have the reminder in the back of your head as you're watching where you know where this is going. So they balance that tension well because every time you're like, oh, how cute she made him lunch, you're like, oh, wait, there is something bad around the corner. And I think that is a testament to both the storytelling and the fantastic performances we got out of everyone.
1: Yes, I like the reminders that someone is going to die. I like the reminders, even within their conversations, like they both say, we're married with families. We're in a tight-knit community. A lot of people can get hurt if this goes public, if this goes the wrong way, if someone develops feelings. So they keep it realistic. I mean, I don't know how realistic it is to make a pros and cons list in your kitchen (laughs) about having an affair, but I at least understand the logic.
0: I almost wish, to your point, that the murder was not there and we could just watch these people have an affair because it was delightful watching Elizabeth Olsen play this wanting character. There's a scene where Candy's at the playground and she's talking to her friend Sherry, played by Kristen Ritter, and she's like, well, Sherry, you know, the men leave and the women stay at home and they're expected to stay the same. And then she looks at the kids on the jungle gym and she's like, they get to be fun and free and playing and we don't get to be like that essentially. And so she is someone who is always in pursuit of something else. In this show, something kind of unlocks in her where she wants more than her life with her husband, with his very funny dad jokes.
1: That's where I feel so mixed because I start to understand what she's saying. She wants a little more thrill, excitement, and she does attempt to have that with her husband, but he like doesn't understand. He's just doing his own thing. <laughs> Thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but then there's the really intense killing. So I don't know. <laughs> so, with all that said, Beach, do you want to watch more episodes of Love and Death on HBO Max? Or is it just Max yet?
1: Not yet, but one day.
0: Okay, cool. So, while it's still on HBO Max, do you want to watch more Love and Death?
1: I would watch Love and Death somewhere between casually and while cooking. I don't know if I'd actually want to watch it while cooking, but I want to follow the story up until the murder.
0: I think for me, if you like true crime stories, you will love this one, and I would strongly recommend it to you. For me, I'm kind of cool off true crime, so I am good on this one. I don't think I want to watch more episodes, even though it is a David E. Kelly joint, and I tend to love David E. Kelly shows. Another thing I will note is I just watched this movie called Missing, which talks a bit about true crime. It deals in those themes, and I would strongly recommend it. So also that movie, 10 out of 10.
1: Thank you for the recommendations.
0: Anytime.
1: How about we leave the world of murder in 1980 and head back to 1700s and 1800s to hear about royal families?
0: Beej, why don't you tell us what happened on Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story? airing on Netflix.
1: I would love to. This is actually a spin-off mini series revolving around Queen Charlotte, and it consists of two plot lines. We have the present-day Bridgerton focusing on Queen Charlotte, played by Golda Rochevelle, who is under pressure to get a royal heir, and her children are not producing. (laughs) (laughs) We also flash back to 1760s, where we see a young Charlotte, played by India Armatefio, who now has to marry a young king. George III, played by Corey Milchreest
0: So, Beach, how did you feel about this one? You're our period peace hive member.
1: I guess between the two of us, I am. Yeah. Interesting. I have not watched Bridgerton, and I don't care that much about the British royal family, but I thought that this was a wholesome love story. <laughs>
0: You are the person who taught me. I think about this so often because, unfortunately, it was recorded. You taught me that Prince Harry's name is not, in fact, Harry. (laughs) So that is what you're dealing with, dear listeners, when it comes to knowledge of British aristocracy, is when we watched that Harry and Meghan Netflix show and reviewed it. That review is when I learned that that man's name is not, in fact, Harry. It's Henry, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's an innocent mistake. has gone by Harry, I'm assuming, his whole life publicly.
0: I even Googled it because I thought you were yanking my chain.
1: (laughs) Now you know you should believe me. He is Prince Henry.
0: No. One thing about this show, actually, speaking of Harry slash Henry and Meghan, is there is this mention of race. They call Charlotte... Uh Moorish. And I was confused why they'd choose to mention race at all. The fact that they accurately shared that she's from Germany, but then talk about who she is, and then find a ton of black people in London to upgrade to nobility so that Charlotte is not the only person who looks like Charlotte in the royal court, to me was odd. I thought Bridgerton, because I'm also not familiar with the story, was kind of like Hamilton. Where everyone is all different kinds of people, but it's not mentioned. They just are who they are, and anyone can play anyone, which I think is kind of cool. In this case, they do talk about race, which then led me to obviously Google, like, when was slavery abolished in England? And, like, did King George have slaves? And it's too late, and yes. So I. <laughs> So I don't know why bring it up at all. Bridgerton Hive, please explain this to me.
1: It was very confusing to me as well. I wish they took the Brandy Cinderella approach where yes. anyone can look like anything and we're all going to say you're related.
0: Brandy Cinderella is actually an even better example than Hamilton because they really said anybody can be with anybody and have any kids. And I watched it both as a child and recently as an adult and thought, yep. Like there was not a moment I stepped out of it and was like, they can't do that. I was just like, I'm in this story and I love it. And that's what I thought we'd get to do here. But what I will say about the show in the more positive direction is I don't think you need to be Bridgerton Hive to enjoy this show. The core love story between Charlotte and George certainly stands alone and in lots of heat.
1: I agree. I also think the Bridgerton background might be fun, but if you're coming into this mini series fresh with no prior knowledge, you'll catch up very quickly to Charlotte's situation. You'll also understand what she's going through when she's younger and when she's older. And I think it benefits a lot that this is based off of historical figures. So they really have a preset plot to follow
0: (laughs) true which makes the show kind of hard to watch because their chemistry is so good enemies to lovers romance hive you will love queen charlotte they have this contentious snappy relationship but there's clearly such wonderful chemistry there the Actors are just so good playing off of each other, but because we are broadly aware of history, and by we, I mean most people, and then I read a Smithsonian article about it this morning, that George has some impending mental health issues that affect his ability to rule, that affect his relationships, even, according to the Smithsonian, makes him violent toward his family. I'm not sure how much of that is portrayed in Bridgerton or in Queen Charlotte. So we know danger is coming Charlotte's way, and because of who she is, she has a lady in waiting lady agatha danbury played by arsema thomas who also seems to warn her about what it's like to be around these people when you are a little moorish as they say and so you're nervous for charlotte because of all of these things and i think they balance that tension of what is coming with this love story really well and she herself love story or not is so charming like absolutely carrying this show like a queen no pun intended Pun intended. Let's be honest.
1: (laughs) She's charming. She's intelligent. And she is willing to call people out, which you got to appreciate in this world where everyone is telling her what to do. Her brother signed a contract to get her married to someone else. Her future mother-in-law does not like her. And in the future, none of her Fifteen kids, well, minus one of them, is able to have a legitimate heir. And that's a lot of pressure for the royal family. A lot of people letting down my girl Charlotte. She went through a lot. And she asks so little of everyone else.
0: With that said, do you want to watch more episodes of Queen Charlotte, A Bridgerton Story,
1: on Netflix? I think as our biggest fan of these types of shows, I would put this at a would watch again casually. The love story is interesting, even though I know what's going to happen. But I do like seeing the interactions between Charlotte and George. And I think that is strong enough to recommend watching more episodes. How do you feel?
0: I agree. I'm one step down. I'm probably would watch while cooking or would watch while folding laundry. I think for me, I am very much not period piece hive. But if you are like me, not period piece hive, but are romance hive, like you love a good love story, this one, though a little bit doomed, is very, very lovely. And their chemistry is so great. And again, Charlotte is just a 10 out of 10 character to follow. So I want to keep watching because I want to see how things turn out for our girl, even though we kind of know.
1: So let's switch from a show where we know exactly what's going to happen to a show full of mysteries. And that is Silo on Apple TV+. In a toxic, dystopian future where a community exists in a giant silo, hundreds of stories deep underground, men and women live in a society full of regulations they believe are meant to protect them. In this first episode, David Oyelowo plays Sheriff Holston, whose plans for the future are thrown off course after his wife, Allison, played by Rashida Jones, meets a hacker with information about the silo. So me too. What were your first impressions of this sci-fi series?
0: So this would have been my favorite show of the week had I not closed out the watching the four shows with Frog and Toad because Frog and Toad again call back to 20 <laughs> minutes ago literally. It's such a good show. But this one was really really good. So shout out to Apple TV knocking it out the park. For non sci fi hive, which I still think I'm non sci fi hive, but I think I've liked a surprising number of sci fi shows, surprising to me. If you are non sci fi hive, but you enjoy a good mystery, this is the show for you. I think the mystery is what hooks me. I'm not so interested in all of the technology around them, what's sustaining them in this underground world. For me, what is fascinating is what is Allison on the hunt for? What is she potentially going to uncover? What is the history of this place? Who are these so-called rebels, this rebellion that they closed down? What are these relics we're not able to access? Why is the world not accessible to them? Why do they have to be underground? Why can some people have kids and some can't? All of those things to me are just all threads I want to follow.
1: And what's really interesting as I hear you ask those questions is sometimes we've left pilot episodes with too many questions and we have like this negative take. But this series, I feel like, gave us enough that even though we don't know a lot about this world, we're invested. And I think a lot of that came from Holston and Allison's relationship. They were a good way to bring us into this world.
0: I completely agree. When I looked up this show before we started watching, I was overwhelmed by the cast list and I was like, here we go. It's going to be some sci-fi show where they're all in a ship and we're going to meet 25 people and we're going to understand 45 different potential storylines and technologies and this and that. So I was already kind of like cranky before I started watching, but instead what they did for people like Me, maybe, is they introduce the world between Holston and Allison's relationships. Holston is a sheriff. He has clearly bought into the story. He believes in the rules. He believes that he and Allison can one day have a child. And he represents the I'm trusting everything around me and everything is exactly as it's been fed to us side. And Allison is starting to question things. So I just love that the debate between them kind of represents the larger story they're almost like a two-person microcosm of this larger world we're going to meet and i just think that's such clever storytelling because i wasn't overwhelmed at all but i still think i understood to your point enough to have a dozen questions coming out of this but i didn't have a dozen storylines i had to follow
1: I think that's it. There aren't a lot of storylines. All of those questions you ask are focused on this same premise, is the same world. And it's all about what Allison is potentially discovering and how she is realizing that maybe the world isn't what it seems. Maybe those window screens are fake, and maybe there is a world out there. And I think that's a pretty classic question in a lot of movies and shows. Is the grass greener on the other side? Or in this case, is there grass on the other side?
0: It's a good question to ask.
1: And I also want to add, we mentioned it's a smaller cast. The cast will grow. That cast list that overwhelmed me to is real. (laughs) And Rebecca Ferguson will play an engineer Juliet. We're not going to tell you how she's introduced to the story, but she will become a bigger player and the main cast is going to grow, which I think is exciting because as much as I like Holston and Allison, I do want to see more places and jobs and roles within the silo.
0: Absolutely. That's my favorite part of stories like these is the ways that society chooses to react to tragedy or whatever has happened here of do we go full chaos or do we go intense rules where each person is allowed exactly one function every single day. And we've clearly gone to the one function side of the spectrum in this world. So I also want to see how all of the different cogs in the machine
1: work. And it's based on a book series. So you can read that. As well.
0: Shout out to Hugh Howie.
1: So me too. What would you rate Silo on Apple TV Plus?
0: I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would watch again seriously. Whoa. I wanted to know immediately what happened. We have kind of a cliffhanger at the end of this first episode or less a cliffhanger and more a very big question with all of the many questions that I listed earlier, and I want to answer them. So I want to keep watching, and Apple TV is going to do that thing that they always do where they're not putting them all out at once, which is maybe for the best. You probably shouldn't sit in front of your television for hours at a time. So we will be forced to watch it over a period of weeks, but I think that'll just build the mystery even more.
1: What about you, Beach? Wow, uh, it's been a while since we've been in this situation where I like it a little less than you. Okay. I still really like it, so I would watch it again casually, but I don't think I will be on that week-to-week watching schedule.
0: You're not real sci-fi hive.
1: I lost my title, I guess. I'm only period piece hive now.
0: Non-sci-fi hive, here we are. We made it. So, Beach, before we tell people where they can find more episodes of the Pilot Podcast, are you more of a frog or are you more of a toad?
1: So I think this is a deceptive question because I'm really good at baking cookies like toad.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
1: However... I think I am more of a frog. I like new adventures. I like trying new things. Me too likes the comfort of her home. She likes sitting and (laughs) reading books. So I think I'm the frog and Me too is the toad. I'm also taller. So it all really lines up.
0: Okay. You being taller is up for debate, but (laughs) otherwise. I think that's fair. I did spend a lot of time in my reading corner yesterday, and it was really nice.
1: Very toad-like behavior.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I am going to go on a new adventure with you.
1: Very frog-like behavior of me.
0: You're right. So if y'all want to tune in to this frog and this toad, BJ, let them know where they can find more episodes.
1: All you have to do is go to our website at thepilotpodcast.com, and you can follow us on all of your favorite podcast platforms.
0: Ribbit, ribbit. Just kidding. I'll speak in English.
1: <laughs> Don't be a doja cat. Meow.
0: <laughs> you can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the Pilot Pod, And you can send thoughts, feelings, show recommendations, because every other week we do a show recommended by you, our wonderful listeners. And whether you're more of a frog or a toad or maybe in between, to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.